what's going on everybody welcome to episode 118 of the dfs dose podcast a special edition of the show today we are going to be going over the saturday dfs double header on DraftKings. we've got two games to cover love covering these small two game slates have a great time doing it and have a great time playing on these slates we're going to go over some slate specifics on this show talk about the vegas notes totals implied team totals etc we will go position by position through these two games talk about every good play at qb rb wide receiver and tight end and we will close out the show with a couple of tournament takes but before we get into any of that joey can you tell the people how they can support the podcast you can help support the podcast by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. That's where we tweet out everything in terms of our content, whether that be videos, articles, clips, etc. It's all on our Twitter at the DFS Dose. So make sure you are following us over there. And then if you're listening to this right now, our week 15 preview podcast of the main slate has already been released. So make sure you check it out. It's on the same, the DFS Dose feed on every podcast platform platform, uh, whether that be Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, whichever one you listen to, it's on there. So go and check that out uh, after you listen to this one. And another way you could support us is subscribing to our YouTube channel at the DFS Dose. We're currently at 146 subscribers. So help us reach that 150 subscriber mark. That would be lit. And another way, the final way, if you want, you could join our free discord chat link down below in the description of this podcast we talk about dfs every single day and you guys can ask us questions about your lineups or about you know player versus player comparisons or if you want to know who we like better between you know a certain player so uh join the chat it's free and i think it's a very very informative and yeah, so join the chat. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's dive in to this two game slate. So we've got Buffalo at Denver in the 4.30 p.m. Eastern window. And then we have Carolina at Green Bay for the night game. Starting off with Buffalo at Denver. This game has a 49 point total. The Bills are six point road favorites and they have a 27.5 implied team total, which is good for second highest on the slate out of the four teams. Denver's 21.5 implied team total is the lowest on the slate. And then we have Carolina at Green Bay, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 52 point total. So expecting some points here. Packers are favored by eight and a half at home. And Green Bay has the highest total on the slate with 30.25. Joey, what stands out to you uh, with these two games? Yeah, so I think with these two games and you know, basically week week 15 in a nutshell is we have very good teams in good spots, but they are playing bad teams. So we have the Packers as pretty big favorites, uh, like you mentioned, at home against Carolina. And then Buffalo traveling into Denver, um, facing a terrible Denver Broncos team. These are good spots for the Packers and the Bills. I'm not too interested in the Denver and Carolina side of the ball, but I definitely think you're going to need to hit on some players from both of those teams if you want to win a million dollars on Saturday. So Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to to find those players that I want to play, but I th- I think you'll need one or two of them. And just piggybacking off of that point, I think it is at least a good thing that we have both Buffalo and Green Bay in spots where they are playing for a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Green Bay currently the number one seed in the NFC and they want to solidify that 
for themselves. And there were quotes today about Aaron Rodgers wanting to chase that MVP, right? So they're going to be slinging it. You know, they're going to be wanting to get numbers. That's kind of been clear with Rodgers anyways, and the degree to which they pass the ball in the red zone. So I think that, you know, Green Bay is not going to take their foot off the gas going against Carolina and Buffalo secures a playoff spot with a win in this game against Denver. So both teams playing for a lot. And I think that that is at least a good sign for these two offenses. Yeah, I definitely agree. And that's the biggest thing. And we talked about it on the week 15 main slate podcast that we have teams that are playing for something now. And then we have teams that aren't playing for something. And like you mentioned, the Packers and the Bills are right in the thick of things in terms of their conference races. And these are two teams that could realistically each be one seeds and they want that home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So they are going to be trying their absolute hardest in these games. Now, can't really say the same for the Panthers and the Broncos. uh, They're pretty much eliminated from the playoffs at this point in time, but they should still come out and obviously play. They are competitive athletes and they get paid, obviously, a lot of money to play in these games. So yeah, I mean, like I said, Green Bay and Buffalo is definitely uh, the teams that I want to target, but there's some interesting plays on the other side of the ball in both of those games. Well, let's start off with quarterback and we're basically going to just focus on tournaments like obviously there are cash games available and i i don't hate playing cash on these small slates i actually usually do pretty well on it but it's kind of like you know just play the obvious plays so we're just going to focus on it from a gpp perspective you know there is a millie maker on this slate there are a lot of good tournaments a lot of good action on this slate for saturday so focusing on things from a tournament perspective for the duration of this show you know you can immediately be different by stacking either Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke instead of Allen uh, or Rodgers, right? Like, I feel like Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers are probably going to command, you know, at least 70% of the cumulative ownership between these four guys. So, you know, do you think that it is even viable to go with Bridgewater or Locke? Do they have the upside to beat the other quarterbacks in certain spots? Or are you just kind of burning money by not going to one of Allen or Rodgers? Yeah, I definitely think that you are kind of burning money, but it obviously depends on what contest you're playing in. I think contest selection on a two-game slate is very important. If you're playing the Millie Maker, then I would say take shots on Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Obviously, in a large field lottery style contest, you can, you know, risk playing Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. But if I'm playing in a single entry or a three max contest, I'm just playing Rodgers and Josh Allen. I think they have much higher ceilings than Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. I think, you know, that's just a pretty accurate statement. Don't really need to explain that. Uh, Drew Locke has, what, two games with above 21 points on the year. He's a trash quarterback in the NFL. Teddy Bridgewater, I don't think he's bad, but he's not great by any means, and I don't think he has the 30, 35, 40-point upside that Rodgers and Josh Allen do. So I will probably be limiting my QB exposures to Rodgers and Allen uh, specifically, but I'll take a shot on Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater in a lineup or two, but I won't be too heavy on them. I I think you just sacrifice way too much upside at the end of the day. Yeah. And I mean, just to give the listeners some perspective, like Joey and I aren't, you know, max 150 type of tournament players, but we, you know, play what between like 10 and 20 GPP lineups per slate usually. And I I just think that for somebody who's building that many lineups, I would rather take, you know, differentiating shots at other positions because I Mm -hmm. I just don't really see the ceiling. I think limiting to Rogers and Allen in, you know, 10 lineups makes a lot of sense. Maybe I'll have 
one Drew Locke. I don't know. Even that seems like a stretch to me. Um, Teddy, it could be. I mean, he has some really good stacking options, some good double stacks with, you know, any two of the three main Panthers wide receivers. I, I could see that, I guess, but I just, I really love Rodgers and Allen, and that's what my focus is going to be this week. They pass the ball so much. They pass over expectation in neutral situations, a ton, the Bills especially. I mean, you could just watch that Steelers game or the 49ers game, the two primetime games they've had over the last two weeks. They're passing like every play. Mm-hmm. So you're giving up just a ton of expectation and ceiling, which is what we have to primarily be focusing on um, in these spots. So yeah, Allen or Rodgers for me this week. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I it's just not profitable to play the other two quarterbacks on the slate, to be honest. Yeah. Um moving on to the running back position, let's talk about this Green Bay running back usage because I think it's really interesting. In week eleven, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams each played on exactly 50% of snaps. Now, in the three weeks since then, their uh, usages have gone in completely opposite directions. Jones' involvement has consistently grown. Jamal Williams has consistently dropped. So over the last three weeks, Aaron Jones went from 50 to 54, then to 66, and then to 70% last week. Conversely, Jamal Williams dropped from 50% in week 11 to 46%, 34%, and then 30% last week. Interestingly, though, despite the increased usage for Aaron Jones, he produced his two worst fantasy performances of 2020 during that three-week span, including his stone worst performance, 9.5 DraftKings points against the worst run defense in the NFL last week, the Lions. So do you think that this usage uh, is a trend or a trap for Aaron Jones? Is Jones going to be seeing closer to 70% than 50% in this spot? And then How do you compare Aaron Jones to the other high-priced options on the slate, guys like Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs? Yeah, so I think the usage is a trend. Um, I I think they saved Aaron Jones earlier in the season for this specific time of year. They want him fresh and ready to go as they uh, make a deep playoff run or they hope to make a deep playoff run, I should say. So they they know that Aaron Jones is one of the most talented running backs in the NFL. They need to keep him on the field as much as possible. Uh, So I could see him playing 70, 75% of snaps in this game against Carolina. Jamal Williams is not that good of a player. Uh, he, he's a solid backup, but I wouldn't put him on the field for 50% of snaps like they were doing. And I think Matt LaFleur has realized that. So I think the usage is a trend. And then how he compares to the other high-priced players for me, I think he has just as high of a ceiling as Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs. I think you can play Aaron Jones with Rodgers and Devontae Adams in a lineup as the top yep. as the top two options uh, for Aaron Rodgers in the Packers offense. And I, I think he's just the best running back play on the slate, especially in a running back pool where, you know, there's not many options. Uh, not at all. I, I think there's three playable running backs this week. You know, two of them not named Aaron Jones. it's tough in the running back pool for this two game slate. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be the story with all of these two game slates. It's like, there's one good running back and a bunch of guys that you don't really want to play, but you know, besides 
Aaron Jones, I think that Mike Davis will be deservedly popular. Uh, Green Bay's had one of the worst run defenses in the league. We saw Mike Davis come back and have a pretty strong game last week, 26.3 points, kind of looking like the Mike Davis from the beginning of the year. He had uh, 16 touches, had six targets in back-to-back games over the last two weeks, and it's a good matchup for Mike Davis. I think that he is a strong play this week at 6,500. Yeah, I like Mike Davis a lot. It's a great spot for him. With CMC projected to miss this game, uh, he should see monster usage that he's been seeing all season. And he contributes in the passing game. I think DJ Moore coming back uh, hurts his reception upside a little bit, but I think Mike Davis is still, you know, too underpriced for his workhorse role in the Panthers offense. You just kind of have to hope that he scores two touchdowns for you to to get you to the top of tournaments. Yes. Now, so this is something I wanted to touch on. Obviously, these two guys are the best two running back plays on the slate and they come from the same game. So like traditional DFS NFL knowledge would tell you that, you know, playing two running backs in the same game is a negative correlation. Now, in recent weeks, we've seen that hit in one of the main slate Millie Maker teams over the past couple of weeks. Don't remember what week, but I know that Derrick Henry and Naheem Hines were in the same game and they were both in the winning lineup. But in in my opinion, that's just a different dynamic than Aaron Jones and Mike Davis. Um, because, you know, Derrick Henry is a guy who feasts when the Titans are playing from ahead and then Naheem Hines comes back and eats in receptions. Whereas I think that Jones and Mike Davis both find their ceilings in highly competitive games, not necessarily games where one team is favored by eight and a half points. That being said, I think on short slates, two game slates, three game slates, stuff like that, you just have to kind of throw a lot of that correlation stuff out of the window. Like you're going to be playing some, if not multiple players against the defense that you have rostered because it's just the way it is on these slates. And you're going to have to play things that negatively correlate like two running backs in the same game because they're quite clearly the best two running back plays on the board. So, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, are you opposed to playing them together? Are you going to try and only play one or are you not really even thinking about that? Yeah, I'm not really thinking about it on a two game slate. You kind of hit the nail on the head with your explanation about it, but I'm probably going to play them in the majority of my lineups and I think the way to get leverage in tournaments this week or on this two game slate I should say is to to fade one of them they're I think they're both going to come in at 65 plus percent uh in terms of ownership so the easiest way to get leverage on the running back field is you know hoping that one of them busts and then you go with Melvin Gordon or Zach Moss or one of the running backs in that Bill's Broncos game because they're all cheap. Uh, they could help you fit some of the higher priced wide receivers into your lineup if you want to play both of them. And I think you will get a massive ownership discount if you go with a cheap running back from the Bills game. Yeah. And I mean, just to that point, I think it's easier to fade the guy who is on a team with a 21.75 applied team total than the guy who's on a 30 plus, you know? So mm-hmm. that's, that's just kind of how I'm looking <laughs> at that. So Melvin Gordon, Jamal Williams, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, Philip Lindsay. Simple question. Who out of that group of five ancillary running backs do you think scores the most points on this Saturday slate? Out of those five, I think Melvin Gordon scores the most. He has the red zone role and specifically the goal line role in that Broncos offense. So I would count on him to at least score one touchdown in this spot at home against Buffalo, uh, which obviously would separate him from Jamal Williams, Devin Singletary, Lindsey, who are all backups. 
Uh, but I think Lindsay, I think he, I think he's a good large field tournament play at 4K. I don't think many people are going to play him, and he does have upside as a running back. Like he's a solid running back. He can catch passes, and if he breaks a long touchdown at 4K, you know you're you're flying up the standings. So I'm kind of messing with uh, Philip Lindsay at 4K in large field tournaments as leverage off of the top running backs. But other than that, it's really just Aaron Jones, Mike Davis, and some Melvin Gordon for me. I like uh, I like Devin Singletary. I think he's really underrated, and I think he's got you know some strong ability in the passing game as well. And he pairs well with my favorite quarterback on the slate, Josh Allen. So I think that Singletary is a guy that I would take a stab on. But the Broncos guys are certainly interesting. If you think that maybe the Bills get out to a slow start, maybe they got a big head after smashing the Steelers last week and they start slow. Um, that would uh, quite honestly be the optimal scenario for Bill stacks is, you know, get get a, a cheap Denver running back in there and then just sail to the money through the Bills passing game. So I'll definitely have lineups that tell that story. Moving on to the wide receiver position. All right, you're building 10 lineups. What percentage of them do you have Devontae Adams? Uh, probably nine out of 10. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> I, I don't think you can fade Devontae on this slate. He's no, just might, might need to be ten out of ten. No yeah, cap. yeah. Honestly, he's just a usage monster. It's it's like historical usage that he's seeing. They target him when they're at the one yard line. Rodgers and him have the best connection out of any quarterback and wide receiver in the league, and he is just a freak and an absolute fantasy goldmine every single week. So, uh, not not making it too difficult on myself. I'm not fading Devonte Adams in in any lineup. I think. Yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, fading Devontae Adams is like the equivalent of the large field GPP play of playing a backup quarterback in case of injury, because (laughs) it's really going to take injury for Adams to not get there. That's how I feel. I mean, this dude is just his utilization. Like you said, all the things you said, it's super impressive. And with Rodgers chasing that MVP, he's not going to be throwing to MVS or Alan Lazard, my boy. He's going to be throwing to Devontae Adams. So (laughs) lock him in, 9,400. He's clear-cut, the best play at any position on this slate. Right behind him, though, we've got Steph Diggs, who is the highest price he's been on DK this season, 7,900. And I'm going to be honest, I I still want to play him at that price. How are you feeling about Steph Diggs? I I like Steph Diggs a lot, especially in this spot against Denver. They're missing, what, like their top two or three cornerbacks uh, with Boye being suspended. And some of the other guys are hurt in that Broncos secondary so i like Diggs a lot he's he's kind of expensive and it might be hard to play both adams and Diggs without sacrificing one of the running backs i think aaron jones or mike davis i should say because they are kind of expensive but you could you could play some of these other cheap wide receivers in your lineup and even go with a four wide receiver build of the two top wide receivers and then two wide receivers that are under 5k or under 4k I, I think that's viable this week so I'll be playing both of them in a good amount of my lineups to be honest all right so who are some of these value wide receivers you like sub 5k we've got guys like Curtis Samuel Cole Beasley we have Tim Patrick I mean we have all three of the Broncos wide receivers sub 5k Jerry Judy is priced all the way down at 3900 KJ Hamler at 3500 how do you feel about these guys who stands out I mean it's very simple if you ain't playing Cole Beasley (laughs) on a slate that's not a main slate you're literally sacrificing money 
like you're losing out on potentially millions of dollars if you aren't playing Cole Beasley. I don't know why, but any slate that is not the main slate, so any two-gamer or three-gamer, he's going off. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter the matchup, doesn't matter the game environment, the total, nothing. This man is going off. Cole Beasley, absolute stone lock at 4700 Yeah, I mean, DraftKings decided to give him a $700 price decrease after having 21 targets over the last two weeks. Makes sense to me. Um, yeah, I'm jamming Cole Beasley into every lineup. That That's uh, for sure. And some of the other guys that stand out to me, I mean, either of the Packers wide receivers makes sense because mm-hmm. they're both extremely cheap for being on a team with such a massive total. 30 compared to you know a slate where two of the guys or two of the teams have totals under 22 like yeah i will be playing alan lazard or mvs over guys like i don't know kj hamler or jerry judy that that seems pretty easy to me and lazard is the guy that i like i mean maybe it's just bias because i drafted him in the 16th round of like 100 best ball leagues this offseason and i want to get some value back probably won't be on those best ball teams but yeah let me get some alan lazard at 4100 that's my guy this week yeah, I like I like Allen this week. I like MVS this week. They're both cheap. Uh should both both of them should come in at lower ownership and they make for great stacking options with Rodgers in a good spot at home. Uh so I like both of them a lot and I think wide receiver is the spot that you're just going to have to hit on the this week it, or this Saturday if you want to win money like uh, a lot of money I should say you're gonna need to find some of these cheap guys maybe two of these cheap guys that go off for 15 20 points um I like Lazard like we just talked about like MVS Cole Beasley obviously I like Gabriel Davis I think he's too cheap for his role in the Bills offense with no John Brown um still hasn't been activated out off IR so if, if we're running a Bill stack I like doing Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs. And then, you know, on a two-game slate, we saw it two weeks ago. You could triple stack. You can even quadruple stack. So maybe we could run it back. They, I mean, the stack won it two weeks ago with uh, Josh Allen to Diggs and, and Beasley and, and uh, Gabriel Davis. So maybe that hits again. But I think triple stacking is viable this week. Absolutely. And I mean, Gabriel Davis, since John Brown went out, he's been extremely consistent. He's got 10 DraftKings points or more in four out of the last five games. So yeah, I like Gabriel Davis quite a bit this week as well, priced at 4K flat. That makes a lot of sense. How do you feel about the three Panthers wide receivers? DJ Moore returns, has the coming off of injury price discount at 5,200. Robbie Anderson looked good last week, but he's a thousand dollars more, 6,200 and Curtis Samuel sub 5K. All three of these guys have potential ceilings. Do any of them stand out over the others to you? Yeah, I think DJ Moore is too cheap just for his role in the Panthers offense and for his talent as a wide receiver. And I think he is my preferred bring back option uh, in Packer stacks. And I, I think he's one of the best plays on the board this week. And I also think Robbie Anderson is a good play. I like these Panthers wide receivers a lot. So I think you could play two of them without Teddy Bridgewater. Because the way that the Panthers wide receivers will get there is they will get there with a lot of catches. So yeah. it's definitely viable to play both of them and stack Rodgers with Adams and another Packers wide receiver. And you could get different that way. Uh, if you want, you could stack them with Teddy. I- I'm not opposed to that. Maybe in one out of 10 or one out of 15 lineups. Just don't think Teddy has the upside to get there. But the the Panthers wide receivers are great plays this week. 
All right. I mean, that's all I've got. I don't really have much interest in any of the Broncos wide no, receivers. No I'll, I'll just give my opinion real quick. I, I like um, DJ Moore as well this week. And I think Robbie Anderson might be my favorite because I feel like you're paying up to be contrarian and everyone's going to want to play DJ Moore. So that's how I feel about the Panthers, guys. Um, I think you get like the uh, the same ceiling, essentially, in Robbie Anderson at much lower ownership. Um, just got to find the salary somewhere to get there. Um, what, what were you saying about the Broncos guys? Uh, yeah, I'm probably not playing these Broncos wide receivers, to be honest. I, I just don't have much interest in a Drew Locke-led offense against a Bills defense that could clamp up the Broncos offense. Um, even though they haven't been that good this season, I think the Bills defense still has a lot of talent on it, and Drew Locke is a candidate to just bust in any given game. So don't really like them that much, but they are cheap, and they are projected to be lower owned uh right now so i I mean take a shot on jerry judy take a shot on kj hamler but i wouldn't expect much of them yeah if i were gonna play one it would probably be jerry judy just kind of like a bet on talent situation i mean god he is priced sub 4k and i think he is a really really good player i would be more inclined to chase sort of his untapped upside rather than chasing the two catch for 86 yards two touchdowns that kj hamler had last week Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely agree all right finally the tight end position I think that the two standouts are Robert Tanyan for the Packers at 4,500 and Noah Fant, who was sick last week but is returning at 3,800 in a good matchup. Tight ends have feasted against the Bills, and he's only 3,800. I think Fant stands out to me in in this spot. How are you feeling about tight end? I mean, tight end is trash. Uh, Yeah. Like standard, you have two options. That's it. Maybe three if Tyler Croft is out for Buffalo, which it's looking like he's not going to be out. But he he wasn't active against the Steelers last week, and it, it was a coach's this decision. So maybe he sits out again, and Dawson Knox becomes viable at twenty eight hundred. But other than that, uh, I really just have no interest in these tight ends. I think Tunyon is the best play by far. I'll probably have more exposure to him than Noah Fant just because the Broncos offense is just god awful and I don't want much exposure to a bad offense on a two game slate, but he is a talented player and he could, you know, definitely score 15 points. So I'll take shots on both of them, but that's it. They're the only two, so there's really not much to talk about. I mean, I, I would play Dawson Knox. I think that he gets uh, looked at in the red zone, even though he only has two touchdowns on the year. He did have seven targets last week against Pittsburgh, and he did miss some time from a stinger in that game, so he could have had more, and that's just a function of the way that the Bills pass. So like in a Josh Allen stack, you know, if I'm going to play Beasley and Diggs, might as well throw Dawson Knox in there, or Noah Fant. And one of the reasons that I like Fant so much is because while you're sacrificing a lot of upside, in my opinion, by playing Jerry Judy or KJ Hamler or Tim Patrick as the bring back in your bill stacks, I don't think you're sacrificing much upside by playing any tight end. And it's a good way to get some exposure to the Broncos side of the ball on the bring back. So I think that I'll be targeting Fant as Josh Allen is my favorite stack, which we'll get to in a minute here. But yeah, that's that's kind of how I'm looking at it. But yeah, I mean, Tunyon, he's had a lot of touchdowns. He's had multiple touchdown games, had that three touchdown game in the Island game a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think that you could play Tunyon. I like Fant for my, my Josh Allen bring backs and Dawson Knox is kind of a deep flyer, but it, it's kind of a wash in general. I mean, it, it's like I said, it's Tunyon, Fant for me, probably nobody else at tight end. It's, it's ugly on this two gamer. 
not many options. Yeah. All right, let's get to our final tournament takes for this two-game slate. Starting off with my first question to you, how do you plan to get different? I think one way that you can ultimately get different, and like I mentioned it earlier, you could just full-on team stack. Whether that be a triple stack and maybe even a quadruple stack, it can get there on a two-game slate if, let's say, the Packers score 42 points and the Bills and Broncos game bust, um, then you're going to need a majority of the Packers, especially if the points get spread around. So I think that's one way to get different, and maybe that's kind of recency bias from seeing that win the last two-game slate, but ultimately I think that is a build that is viable on a two or three game slate. You just kind of have to hope that the other game or games bust. And I kind of want to say that I I could see this Buffalo Denver game not being, Mm. not being as high scoring than the total. Cause Denver is interesting. Denver is a tough place to play, but they are a bad defense and Josh Allen has been balling out this season. But the, the way Denver plays defense is they play a very zone heavy defense and it's kind of just like a, a do your job type thing where the, the positions are easily replaceable. And especially in the secondary that you just have to be in the right spot. I think this could be a game where it, it could be lower scoring than some other people might think. So I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards Green Bay and Carolina, specifically the Green Bay side for tournaments. Interesting. I will say that um, I'm kind of on the other side of it just because I'm I get it. It's a tough place to play, you know, elevation, yada, yada, yada. But in the end, it is a quarterback with an unreal pass rate over expectation against a trash defense. I don't think I'm going to overthink things as it relates to that. I'm just going to be plugging in Josh Allen everywhere I can. As for how I plan to get different, I think that something I'm looking at specifically is kind of like a player correlation that I like, and it's playing Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams in non-Aaron Rodgers lineups. I like stacking the Bills game and getting all of my Packers exposure through those two players. I think that they absorb a good amount of the touchdown equity in the Packers offense, and you can get all of your Aaron Rodgers exposure that way, and then get a decent amount of the Josh Allen exposure through him and his pass catchers. So that's kind of uh, something that I've been playing with in these builds right now early in the week. Yeah, and I I definitely like that a lot. And not just with Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, uh, like I talked about earlier. I I like doing that with the Panthers wide receivers and not playing Teddy. And I could also see playing some of the Bills wide receivers and not playing Josh Allen. So I think that is definitely viable this week. And I actually like it a lot. And I, I think it could be the Millie winner. I I really do. Yeah. Just to like uh, build a little bit on what you were saying, the only reason why I am more bullish on doing it with the Josh Allen route opposed to like the Aaron Rodgers route is just because I think that there's a decent amount of touchdown equity that Josh Allen himself has as a rusher. So I think the percentage of the Bills points that scores are going to be more through Josh Allen, whereas Aaron Jones could siphon some of that away Mm -hmm. from the Packers and Aaron Rodgers with rushing touchdowns. But it's it's still uh, applicable in, in different ways um second question what's your favorite long shot play low owned who who's going to be in the in the millie making lineup i i think i just have to go with uh philip Lindsay at 4k i think he mm. is my favorite uh large field tournament 
play at running back uh just very cheap he still gets work i think he has the opportunity in the broncos backfield to at least have a try at busting a long run and maybe he does maybe he doesn't but i i still think 4k for a player seeing you know 15 13 12 touches a game it's too cheap and i like him a lot so i will go with philip Lindsay for your question got you um for me i am going to double down on the guy i mentioned earlier and that is devin singletary 4100 only a hundred dollars above the men where Lindsay sits um i know that zach moss had a greater share of the rushing work last week for buffalo but we've seen games where devin singletary takes over he has a better role in the passing game i mean he had two double digit games in week 12 and 13 had only four points last week and i think that he could bounce back i think that there is a receiving touchdown within his range of outcomes, which pairs well with Josh Allen. And I just think he's better. I think he's better than Zach Moss. And I think the Bills are good at identifying their own team. You know, they saw Josh Allen needed weapons and they made one of the best trades of the year and acquired Stefan Diggs. They see that Zach Moss is averaging 3.3 yards per carry and Singletary is averaging 4.6, and they're going to make the right call and get him more involved this uh, this week against Denver. So uh, Devin Singletary is my guy. It's, it's not hard to play him, but it kind of is because he can get relegated to only getting five touches, and I think that's kind of the difference uh, with Singletary and Lindsey for me is Lindsey is kind of like guaranteed to get 10-plus touches. I don't think Singletary is uh, in this split with Zach Moss. And even last week, yeah, Zach Moss was very inefficient. And I think Singletary should be the starting running back. But in games where Zach Moss has played and been healthy, I, they they want to feature him for some reason. They want him to become the workhorse running back and Devin Singletary be the change of pace uh, pass catching running back. But at 4,100, I, I, I think this is a spot where you could take a shot on him and hope that the Bills do make the right decision, like you said. You know, I, I like them, so I like that call. Yeah, and, and the guaranteed rushes definitely do favor Lindsay, but that is more of a floor um, argument, I think, than a ceiling argument, which is really, in the end, what we're chasing for these tournaments. No doubt about it, though, Lindsay's touch projection is more favorable than Devin Singletary's. I would not argue that at all. All right, final question, tournament take. Joey, what is going to be the Millie making stack on Saturday. Give me the stack and the bring back. Yep. So the stack is Rogers to Aaron Jones to Devontae Adams to Robert Tunyon. And you bring it back with a Panthers wide receiver. Um, I have DJ Moore in right now, but you can play Robbie Anderson for a thousand more. Uh, you're just going to have to find salary somewhere. Obviously the defense helps open things up and there's a bunch of cheap options on this slate that you can play. Yeah. Those four Packers, and then a Panthers wide receiver on the bring back. Uh, mark my words, that is the uh, Millie Maker winning lineup this week on Saturday. But if it's not <laughs> the other Millie Maker lineup, uh, the, uh, the other Millie Maker stack that I think is the one that I'm going to be playing is Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs to Cole Beasley. Obviously, Cole Beasley's in there. He's you know preloaded into every lineup on a two game slate. That's just standard. And Noah Fant on the bring back, like I talked about, you're sacrificing less upside by, you know, bringing it back with a tight end on Denver opposed to a wide receiver. And where we get a little unique here is we throw Bill's defense in there for a full onslaught on the Bill's side. Drew Locke is by far 
the worst quarterback on this slate. The Bills are going to get up, and then when you know the Broncos are playing, come back in the fourth quarter. That's when the pick six comes, and that's when you sail to the money. So give me give me the the double Bills stack with uh, the defense in there as well. Noah Fant on the bring back. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of Allen or Rodgers uh, and their team stacks that is going to win the Millie. I will truly be surprised if a Drew Locke or a Teddy Bridgewater lineup wins the Millie, but they are cheaper, like $2,000, $2,600 cheaper than the top guy. So, you know, I could see them being in the winning lineup, but I don't think they will. And from the last two game slate, I was on the right side of things. You you weren't on the Josh Allen train, and you said Big Ben was the Millie Maker winner. So I'm one and zero in that department. So I got a little lead, and maybe Josh Allen can uh, repeat it. But I think this is a spot where Rodgers is going to absolutely tear up the Panthers defense. So mm. I, I like the Packers a lot in this in the spot. We will certainly see. Thank you guys for listening to episode 118 of the DFS Dose podcast. Like Joey said at the top, you can support us in a couple of free and easy ways. One, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Two, subscribe to the DFS Dose podcast on whatever podcast platform you use. Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are there. And finally, you can join our Discord chat for free. Link to join is in the description below. Make sure you follow us on Twitter as well, at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I am at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Joey, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Carrion DFS. All right, guys, let's sail to the money on this two-game Saturday slate.